This podcast brought to you by ACES, the American Society of Information Science and Technology, the Society for Information Professionals, by the IA Summit, the premier gathering place for information architects and other user experience professionals, by Boxes and Arrows. Visit boxesnarrows.com slash about slash participate to be a part of your peer-written journal. And special thanks to Axure and Moray for sponsoring Boxes and Arrows, as well as the many other sponsors of the IA Summit. Would you like your design team to collaborate better? Are you looking to gather more valuable insights from your focus groups and interviews? Freelance information architect and interaction designer Donna Spencer describes design games as a fun, technology-neutral way of gathering design insights for your projects. In this presentation, she focuses on games and tips most applicable to IA projects for all types of projects and people, including free listing, design the homepage, divide the dollar, reverse it, and idea cards. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. In doing these horrible, hard, messy projects that, that are, are complex, um, I'm always looking for ways to, like, to make them more fun and to make work more fun. Uh, so, you know, I love design games. Um, I love being able to do something fun at work. And I just want to, um, before I get into the design game bit, also acknowledge both Jess McMullen and Karen Lowsby, who have both, in various talks at IA Summit over the last few years, talked about design games. Um, and to, some of the games in here, I learned about from them. Um, so I just want to say thank you to them, even though both of them aren't here at the moment. So a des what, what's a design game? A design game is something that um, is, is, is some sort of fun activity that you can do that will help you learn something for a design project. Um, it might be something that you do with your users, or with your project team, or with your stakeholders, or your managers. It's not just a game that we might play with users. It's always something that's hands-on. It's not like just a thinking activity. It's something that we're actually going like, to you know, get in and, 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 and do something quite practical. Um, it's always going to provide a useful outcome. It's not one of those, like a design game isn't one of those silly, trivial games that people get you to play, you know, at facilitation exercises and team building and those like when you go, the hell am I doing this for? It's something that will provide an outcome that you can use in a project. It's also uh, something that you're going to plan. You're going to think it through, figure out what you're going to do and why. Um, it, it's not something you just sort of throw together. You want to plan a design game. So that's what I mean when I'm, when I'm thinking about design games. And the reason we do them is because, because it's much more fun to have fun at work than it is to like, sit around a table talking to each other. But also by playing a game, we engage wholly different parts of our brain. Um, and by doing that, we can um, stimulate creativity and, 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 and come up with better outcomes than, you know, like all those meetings we do, like have d d design sessions and brainstorming sessions and stuff, and they just don't really feel very fun. You just like tweak those and make them fun, and you'll get much better outcomes because the, our, our brains are working in an entirely different way. And they're also a great way to, we, you know, we do them because if we want, especially with users, we're getting real involvement from people. Um, so that's why. Now I'm going to go through three different types of design games. One, and, and like, I'm not going to tell you which, which are which. So they're, they're, some, some of these things are things that have existed always as design games. Um, and, and, and that's what they are. Some are existing techniques that we can make more fun. 
And some that I'm going to show you and that I'll talk about at the end about how you might do it yourself are things that, you, that are like created specifically to be a game. Does that make sense? So they're not all, like you can't look up, you can't Google design games and just get this great list of them. So I'm going to go through a set that um, you can play with users and then a set, that, a couple that are good for working within a team. We're actually going to play some games as well. I'm not going to talk for, for 45 minutes. Um, and we even have prizes. Ooh. And I'm not even going to tell you what the rules are. <laughs> so the first game, um, and one that I do a lot uh, with users, is a game called um, Design the Homepage. And this is a really, really simple one. Um, for, with this game, you might do it in a user research session or a focus group type situation. Um, I do a lot in focus groups. So I, don't, don't, I don't like doing focus groups, but when I have to do one, I play this game a lot. And you really just ask people to design a homepage for whatever site, application, you know, thing that you're talking about um, that, will, that would be perfect for them. They don't have to design it for everybody else. Um, they don't have to like, worry about what other people might want to do. It's just like, if I could make this incredible for you, what might you do? And it doesn't even need to look like a homepage. Yeah? It doesn't have to have navigation bars and side, sidebars and images and banners and logos. It's, it's not actually like a, you know, make this look like a homepage, but think about all the types of things that are important and get those down. So sometimes people will, when I do this, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll sort of write lists of the things that are important to them. Um, and sometimes people like get really get into it with their markers and stuff and like create. That doesn't look like a homepage at all. But but that's what came out of a design the homepage session. And it tells us some really interesting things because it, it, it tells you, and this is for a museum, um, can tell you the things that are really important to people, the pain points, the things that they just need to work well, um, you know, it hi highlights some things that are important. Because it, you know you don't pick them up and and then make a homepage out of it, but you can look at it and say, okay, we did it with these people, and these are the things that came out of it, which tell us some interesting things. For these guys, one of the things that came out in every single group was just let us like get your contact information really easy, get the street address, and get the the floor plans. There's a bunch of teachers in the museum, so that we can figure out how to bring our kids there, where to put their bags, and where the toilets are. You know, that's the stuff that they needed to just be dead easy and right. Um, and, and it was a really good finding from these sessions that, like, let's just make sure we get the core right and then add all the fancy stuff. So another, another one to, to play with users, and again, in those sort of maybe focus group situations or brainstorming sessions or participatory design sessions, um, is one called Divide the Dollar. And what you do with this game is either give the group a set of features, or ask them um, in a brainstorming type way to generate a set of features, um, and then say, okay, you've got $100, now you can give them out Monopoly money or coins or like just a, a 100 theoretical dollars, and ask them to divide that money across the feature list, um, and then to explain why they've done that. And like, it's dead simple but it's a really good way of identifying priorities. You know, you, like, you, do those, you, you think about all the things that, that you might want, and you get these great big feature lists, and it's really hard to tell whether they're real things that people want to do, or whether they're just like stuff that's come out of people's head. When you make them 
prioritize them like that and assign a value according to how important they are, you, it just like completely falls out again as to what's the most important. And by asking them to explain why that's important, you get some good, uh, good understanding and rationale for, um, for their reasoning. And that's just useful in a project. Beg your pardon? Well, I just give them $100 and they do the pricing. So they say, you know, this feature's worth going to be like $60 and this one's $30 and these ones are $2. Is that what you were thinking of? They're valuing them. Yeah, sorry. So um, Stephen just asked whether I'd played with pricing them in different ways. Metadata games are games that you can play to help do a few things. Um, can use them to understand how your users think about particular objects and also really to show that different groups think about people, uh, about, about objects in different ways. Now I want you to like spend just, just a minute jotting down what you call this thing. And I'm not going like, to verbalize it, I'm just going to let you look at the picture because if I say what it is, it's, well look, let me, uh, are you wondering what it is? It's like a thing that you would put a bottle of beer in so that it doesn't warm up. Yeah? That's what, that's what the picture is of without like giving any sort of leading language. All right, does anybody want to tell me what they call it? And you'll just have to yell out really loud. Oh, Sonia does. A koozie? How do you spell that? Uh-huh. Okay. Cozy or koozie. So we've got koozie and cozy, yeah? Andy? Oh, no, you guys will have something different. Yep, stubby holder, is that what you're going to say? No, I was going to say just And then I hadn't heard of um, koozie either. Um, but I've definitely, yeah, you've been hanging around with, with Aussies too long. So these are, like, these are my terms. I wrote down beer cooler, a stubby holder, which is actually, which is what we would call it most often. A stubby holder with a variant of spelling. Or a coldy holder. And that's not terribly common, but it's... Um, common enough. And what that, like, what, what was really interesting about that um, was that they're the words, if I was like trying to sell this product, I would use those words because that's what I think it's called. And you guys, in a different culture, have a completely different word for it. So I need to know that as a designer so that we can make sure these things align. And had I not played this game, I wouldn't know that. So it's like a dead simple game you can, you can do to um, elicit terminology. Um, we could probably even figure out a way that this could be done online. So you like send people out images and say, what's this, what's this, what's this? And just like gather that, that, that terminology. Because terminology is so damn important to IA. Um, we, we need to know it. And it's simple. And then, you know, when you're having these arguments with, with you know, your, the, the people who are writing the content or the subject matter experts and they're saying, oh, we can't use that word. You play this game and you know what people actually call it. Oh, maybe it's a brand. Okay. It's an interesting one, though. So another, one, another game that's really good for um, terminology is, is free listing. Um, and when you do a free listing activity, you basically say, 
tell me all the, all the, as many of this as you can think about. So I asked my daughter, um, when I was putting these slides together, tell me as many dogs as you can think about. And, and I was just shotting them down as she wrote them. So these are her dogs, Dalmatian, Chihuahua, Miniature Foxy, Kelpie, Great Dane, Bulldog, Sausage, Dog, German Shepherd, Irish Setter, Greyhound, Beagle, Golden Retriever, Poodle, Spoodle, Spaniel. She just like rattled them off. Pretty much no gaps or anything. So one, I got a great list of terminology in a fun, in a fun setting. And I learned something really interesting from her list. And the thing that I, that I noticed in, in learning her list was these, the, the ones that she said first were things that had meaning for her. We've had a Dalmatian in the past. She's got a Chihuahua now. My mum has miniature foxies. Uh, I don't know where the Kelpie came from. We know somebody has Great Danes. Um, you know, she thinks bulldogs are really cute. I could see uh, there was a reason in there for, for these things. So I could also get a bit of an understanding of her mental model um, and, and what she was thinking by just asking her to list out a, 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 a set of things. And the other thing that happens when, um, when you ask people to free list, I, I asked my um, boyfriend to list as many varieties of beer as he could. And the interesting thing that I noticed again when he, when he did this was that there are cognitive clusters when people free list. Um, so, Pilsner, Stout, Porter, Lager, Harvest, Oktoberfest, Bitter Mild, Lawnmower. Some of those, like Pilsner, Stout, Porter, Lager, they're all things that, you know, that are fairly common um, and that we, that we would, you know, drink fairly regularly. We'd just been on holidays, so we'd, we'd been, we were in, when I did this first, I was in Chicago, um, in, oh God, what's it? in fall, I have to get my seasons around the right way. So we've been eating, you know, harvest in October, eating, drinking harvest in October, best beers. So he went, he went down this list and then took a breath. Okay, ale and dark, okay, all well, yep. Then took another breath and then listed out the stuff on the other side, which are all then like foreign beers, foreign styles. So there's some real cognitive patterns in those things Again, just from like this dead simple activity of asking people to, to, to list out, you know, stuff. It's a really, really easy one to, to get some good information from, from your users. And it's fun, like there's no, it's, it's not like a hard activity, it's just like, bing. So card sorting is like a, you know, a traditional user research technique. Um, and, you know, where we write content ideas on index cards and ask our users to sort them in ways that make sense for them. Um, card sorting isn't always and wouldn't always be considered a game. But you can make it more game-like by having a bit of fun with the content, making it a bit competitive, um, putting a bit of time pressure on them, um, giving prizes for the rightest answer, although, you know, we, there's, there's no such thing as a right answer in card sorting. We can do that, which makes it less feel like, a, oh my God, I've got to do this activity. Let me just finish it so I can get out of the room. And more like something that actually feels like fun. So we can do that with a lot of our user research techniques. We can like figure out how to make them fun. I'll talk about that a little at the end. 
So also we can then have games that are good to play with design teams and that really help, help a design team to either work on designs together, to generate ideas, to think out of the box um, and, and just uh, yeah, work well together. One that is, um, is good, and I think, again, I think I learned that this from Summit many years ago in a very strange session. This is a bit of a variant. Um, is, is this idea of idea cards. So with idea cards, and you can do this with physical cards or just with terms on a board, you have some sort of problem that you're working on. So you have it like some sort of design challenge. And you're trying to think of solutions. And like, you know, they're either just trying to get out of your head or like something's happening, you're brainstorming. So a, a, a neat way to like look at a problem in a different way is to, is to, is to use it, these idea cards and you say, okay, draw three cards from, from the deck and come up with a solution that uses those concepts. So I might use cards like this. So if, you, if I had a, a, you know, pulled out simple color and pain and said come up with a solution for a design problem, like just, it, 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 it frees your creativity to go, oh, okay, how am I gonna wrap those sort of things in and, 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 and generate some ideas? So it can be quite, it, it's another quite fun thing to, to help design teams break out of, um, you know, sometimes out of the bog or just to just have a bit more fun. Another that I really like, and I'm getting you guys to do this in a minute, is this idea of reversal. So you have, you have some sort of design problem and you're trying to solve it. One thing that you can do to, again, come up with, with, with better ideas and more creative ideas is to not solve it by tackling it head on, but actually reverse the problem and solve the reverse of the problem. So what I'm going to get you guys to do is five minutes, like either in sort of pairs or like the people who are sort of clustered around you. I want you to do this, this one. We know that getting through airport security is always horrible, isn't it? Like if you could think about like an experience that is guaranteed to be just yuck, um, it's, it's, it's getting through, through security, especially at LA. That's just my, I spend ages like getting tense about doing it. So let's say we wanted to figure out a way to make that process of getting through airport security better. We're going to do that by looking at it from the back. How would you make airport security worse? Okay. So spend five minutes on that with, 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 with somebody nearby chat, chatting about it and I'll get some answers from you in a minute. Who would, who would like to share? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, like, who, who would like to share? And Dan's hand goes, "Whoa, pick me!" Fancy that. Okay, we got good ones. Mandatory MRI. <laughs> Mandatory showers. Mandatory MRIs while you're taking a shower. Random trivia question. Uh, you have to emulate the posted expression of the day. And so that worked like they'll put a big picture up of like this. And so imagine a whole line of people all going. And some dude looking at him going, uh, left eyebrow up a little bit. Yes, sir, right through here. No problem at all. Uh, robots, we're not really sure about that one, but we think robots are really scary. Uh, you need to go through the line naked. They're going to wash your clothes, but they won't dry them. 
We, we worked on this one. Originally, we had half-hour mandatory interrogations, and then we realized it would be better if it was 28 minutes waiting for your two-minute interrogation. That'd be much better. Uh, references, you have to have three references required that they have to be able to get by phone. And if you can't provide those references, it's mob rule. You basically put it up for a vote for everyone in the, in the in default waterboarding. That's kind of obvious. Compulsory uh, uh, body cavity search, another kind of obvious one. And one more. Oh, uh, oh yeah, two more. Yeah, ra uh, random standards. So they have a spin wheel in the front. <laughs> and you spin it. And the examples of how we could use that would be like ounces of liquid. So one ounce, throw everything else out. Uh, or color, blue. Okay, no blue goes through today. Or height. I'm sorry, you're much too tall to travel today. Who else would like to share? All items must be in plastic bags for the entire duration that you're at the airport. You're not allowed to open your plastic bags at all <laughs> until after you, reach your after you reach your destination. You must explain all liquids and demonstrate their use. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you must take off your socks and shoes and walk on a wet floor. Oh. You must put all of, your, all of your electronics in separate bins. So not just your computer, but all of your electronics. Um, there's one long line with one check person for every, every kind of uh, checkpoint, so it takes a really long time. And there's different checkpoints for different things. So the first checkpoint would be liquids, and then the second checkpoint would be electronics, and the third checkpoint <laughs> would be clothing. <laughs> and then uh, you also um, might be asked to reenact the safety procedures. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right. Anybody else want to share? Thank you. First of all, full disclosure, uh, my main client is DHS, so I'm taking all of these back to them. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, uh, everything that they take away from you, uh, you'll be able to buy on the inside once you get through. Uh, mandatory that you do have to wear a hospital gown all the way through the, the process, and all your clothes go off and have to go through. Uh, uh, by the way, this service is no longer free. You do have to pay to go through, and probably per item. And uh, lastly, everything is public, so uh, public x-ray of both your clothing, and if you go through, too. So. Any others? <laughs> yeah? Wait, wait, wait. wait. You, you. I'm not even sure what that one was. What, what is your hidden agenda? That they asked that question. Okay, and then um, decontamination showers. Um, and uh, uh, native, uh, if, if you don't speak the native language, they have a translator that they have to schedule in advance to be there so that they can understand what you're talking about. DNA swabs, uh, lie detector tests, uh, psycho uh, psychological profiling, um, and uh, cavity search, of course. Um, and you have to unpack all your stuff um, and send it through one at a time. Um, and you have to have multiple documents. Um, and then uh, you have to, um, in advance, schedule your uh, flight. And they actually schedule your screening so they come to your house and do all this stuff. Um, 
And one of the things that's on the list on here is they, they call ahead. So like if you say you're staying at whatever hotel, they have to actually call the hotel and confirm your reservation or perhaps your grandma. Um, <laughs> so. Anybody else want to share? We, we had all of those, so add all those up, and then on top, add a marketing campaign that tells you how great the service is for security. Uh, all right, so I do have, a, I have another block of chocolate in my pocket. And y I'm giving this to you f for making us all go through in hospital gowns. <laughs> and if you want more chocolate, and I didn't have enough pockets for it, um, Sam at, from Optimal Workshop has, has chocolate out on his stand. So if you go and look at his tools, um, he'll give you some more chocolate. So can you see how you could like actually use that to both get to a really extreme point and then look at those extremes as a way of thinking of, of, of solutions? Like some of those, it was like, oh, yeah, I could see how you could just like flip that round and, there, and there's a solution for a problem. Can you see that, that would sort of work? And it's fun, and it made you laugh. It's a good thing. So, um, as I said at the beginning, that like, so design games aren't just things that sort of happen randomly. They they, they are definitely planned activities. Um, and the reason you you know need to plan them is so that um, because you, you do want an outcome from it, you do want something to happen. So, in order to get there, you need to think about. What is it that you want to get out of the activity? And then make sure that it works towards that. You also need to think about how it might work end to end so that you can manage it as a, as a game and you can anticipate what might come up during it. Um, you might need to think about rules and constraints and how you're going to explain those to people uh, so that they can successfully play the game. Figure out ways of making sure that everybody's involved, and that's a really important one. You, don't, you wouldn't want to be working with a group of users, maybe in, again in a focus group situation or something, and have people excluded. That's a, a, a you know not a good outcome, and could easily happen uh, if, you, if you weren't a little bit careful about thinking about it up front. Um, and if you're adding any sort of element of competition, how are you going to manage the fact that it's a bit competitive? How are you going to actually award the prizes, figure out who's most successful, and that sort of thing, and tell people up front how it works, which of course is the thing that I did, didn't do right there. I didn't say that I was going to uh, give out the, the, the chocolate to the first person who put out their hand and the funniest, the answer that I found most funny. But you'd have to do that in a real situation because they do, people do need to know um, what is expected of them. You also need to make sure that um, you can give people instructions and tell them what they're expected to do. Because when you do this for real, there's always that period of, what does she want me to do again? What are we meant to do? How do we get started? So you might need to give out instruction sheets. This is an example of my instruction sheet for, for design a homepage. And after doing this a lot with people, I know that they get, they get worried about having to draw. So by providing a bit of instruction and some examples that don't look like home pages, that gets people over that problem of, oh, oh, okay, it doesn't actually have to look like a home page, but it should look like 
you know, it, it, I'm allowed to use colour, I'm allowed to sketch, I'm allowed to just do bullet points, whatever. It helps them to understand what's expected of them. So thinking about that, that instructional aspect is another important part of planning. And what I would like to do is, I'd love to take questions, but I would more love to um, hear from you guys about any, any games that you've played with, with, with users or, or with your team that have worked well, um, or something that you go, oh, I wonder if this would work, um, or, 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 or questions. Um, and before I just come take the mic off, uh, I have a website with these and other games on it. It's called designgames.com.au. I'm still like playing with it, so it's just it's got some stuff up there. But I know that I'll um, eventually fill out fill it out a bit more. Um, and I've got a, you know some more games in my head that hasn't made it as far as the website. Um, what was I going to say? No, I can't remember what I was going to say. Um, so let's do questions or or, or, or stories. Got ten more minutes. Have to not take the mic off and then talk. Not having a handheld mic is just a real bugger. Um, it's experience of doing something similar um, to actually free, free up a decision-making process where um, we had a project we we're working on and we had a lot of uh, decisions to do with functionality of a site. Uh, and also some basic business problems that we need to get back from the key stakeholder. And he was notoriously difficult at making a decision. He would say, uh, he would never say no, he would say maybe, and he, may, he might say yes. So, um, so basically what we did was um, purchase a lot of fruit, uh, a lot of candy, and a lot of cigarettes. And uh, during a one-day workshop, everybody in the room was showered with whatever they wanted uh, every time they gave anything. And the only person who didn't have anything in front of him by the end of the day was this guy, Ken. And uh, it finally got to the point where he made a decision about somebody and nobody really, about something, nobody really realized he'd done it. And he was looking expectantly around the room. And we all went, oh yeah, Ken, we did. And he ended up getting showered with everybody else's sweets because he, he, he made a breakthrough in that point because he, he actually then started to make a decision for cigarettes. <laughs> that, was, that was neat. Wow. Is that what you expected to happen? Sorry. What I was trying to get is actually to get most of the room moving on stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, and, but we knew, that, we knew that he was the ultimate decision maker and he was the ultimate blocker because everything he was doing he was always having to refer back up the line. Uh, and, in, and there were things that we were doing which were so obvious that they needed to be done. Uh, I mean, even very simple, basic things. And, and it, I think it just it did eventually got to the point when he realised he wasn't participating. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. You know, you could see everybody else's stacks of things coming up. And he thought, I've, I've got to do it because it was visibly obvious that he wasn't doing it. And the gaminess of the rest of it was, was more fun than, yeah, like, just exactly. brainstorming and working together? Yeah. yeah people were like, like uh, I decision, I want, I want that now, throw it across the room. And it just got things moving and people were pitching in because of that. Thank you. That's loud. Um, so we've been uh, experiencing or experimenting with design games um, quite a bit of late, and we've been getting a real sort of good, uh, good vibe out of them. Um, the ones that we tend to play and the ones I like the best are Design the Box, Design Consequences by Lisa Reichelt, and also kind of, yeah, really, really good. 
And also, it's not really a design game, but if you pitch it amongst these other two um, uh, uh, sort of techniques, then um, my, uh, uh, mind writing uh, in combination with KJ uh, sorting. Um, Okay, uh, sorry, or, or, or right storming, or whatever you want to call it. So, uh, design the box is really uh, a nice game, and I think it can be used across a variety of stakeholders and for a variety of different reasons. So, you can use it with clients, you can use it with um, the the product team, um, and basically, the idea is uh, you. Uh, we all know how uh, products work. We all see boxes every day, and boxes uh, or product design for boxes have um, have some really nice uh, tangible qualities, which include a limited amount of space. So the idea with design the box is you give people a blank box and you say, if your product was a box, design the box. And what you get them to is you get them to draw the front of the box, the side of the box, the back of the box. And what tends to come out is you get, um, you get uh, an example of um, the taglines they would use. You get an example of the features that they think are most important, maybe pricing schemes, maybe the people behind the, the, the product or the organizations. So it's a really good way of bubbling up kind of like the things that the, the, the clients or the, the customers think are most important. Because it's a box, you're confined um, by space. You've got really tight constraints. So you can't just go mad and you can't just fill it with, with lots of um, irrelevant stuff. So it really forces the, or focuses the mind as to what's important about that product and what isn't important. Then you, once everyone, and you can do this individually, you can do this as teams, once everyone's done the box, then what you ask them, you don't usually tell them up front, is you ask them to then sell that product to the rest of the team. And it, it has a really nice effect of, particularly if you're developing a new product, getting some kind of consensus. So everyone starts seeing what everyone else is doing, and they start getting an understanding of, of the, the, the product direction, the product goals, and this can then feed into doing other techniques like, um, like uh, brain writing or mind writing or whatever you want to call it, which is basically like brainstorming. But instead of, instead of coming up with ideas and having a moderator, what we do is we, we come up with ideas and each person just puts, as soon as they've got an idea, put it down on a, a sticky note, stick it on the wall. And then everyone else starts doing that and they start generating lots of ideas on the wall. If people start running out of ideas, they'll go up to the wall, take a couple of sticky notes, and that might spark something else. And then you start sticking them on the wall. And you end up with a whole bunch of... Of, of adjectives about the product or features that might be included in the product. Then you do some kind of KJ sort to basically group and cluster all of these different ideas into buckets. And then you create names for those buckets. Then you give values to those buckets to try and get some kind of sense of hierarchy. Yeah, and, and you can do that. You can do that and you can do um, design consequences and design the box in like a three-hour, four-hour period. So it's really, really intense. And we've only, done, we've only done it a few times, but every time we've done it, um, without fail, the client said that's the best meeting they've ever been into. They've come out feeling really empowered. They're going feeling a little bit cagey. They're going feeling that, oh, this is going to be some kind of awkward, kind of like, you know, designer sort of thing where we're going to be falling back into each other's arms and kind of all that kind of rubbish. But actually afterwards, they're like, wow, this is amazing. Everyone suddenly gets this kind of shared consensus, this shared direction. And we come out with loads of really, really useful um, artifacts that we can go away and analyze. And you, you, get, yeah, you get really interesting um, insights into the minds of your users, the minds of your, your product owners. So I have designed the box on the website, but um, I just stripped it out of the slides today so I could actually get through in time. Um, Amy, I'll come back after I go to Stephen. Sorry, I do actually know lots of people by name. It seems very strange, but I do. Yeah, so two, uh, two games I want to share. One is 
I think I picked up from an ad, the advertising world, and it's, uh, I think the title was Different Hats, and what the agency would do is actually bring in boxes with complete kits from recognized brands, like the Apple kit, and the Virgin Airlines kit, and the McDonald's kit, and they would ask the company to put on the hat of that company, pretend you're that company, and then design the brand or the website or the interaction based on that perspective. So the idea is, if I was Steve Jobs designing this insurance app, what would it look like or what would it turn out? Or if I was Richard Branson, Virgin Airlines designed this, how would it look? Or if I was McDonald's, you know, in the drive-through and more visual, how would it look? And so it's a really great way to um, attack the same problem from completely different perspectives. So that's the first one. The, other, the second would be uh, kind of going on your reversal idea. Um, that's very useful to use it with, when you're talking about visions or positioning statements because you have lots of clients who have these meaningless positioning statements. Like we want to be the easiest to use, you know, whatever site, right? And so ask them to take that, that qualifier and say, what's the opposite? So what's the opposite of easy to use? Well, it's difficult. And if, if it's a great way to narrow down and figure out, is it a great positioning statement or not? And you know, if, if no one would want to be the opposite, then it's probably not a good positioning statement. But you get, you get better things, like we want to be the fun, energetic, whatever. Well, you know, that's a unique position that someone might want that other people might not want. But if, it's a, if the opposite is something that no one would want, then it's not a good positioning statement or not a good vision for the company. So. Excellent. I love it when you guys, you know, I, when I, I don't have to do all the content because you, you all know it. Yay! So this is just a question. Um, do any of these games work well, this will sound a little strange, if you play them on your own as a way to break blocks, for example? Well, out of the ones that I went through, I could, make, I, you could, I could imagine you like trying reversal on your own. That would certainly work. The different hats thing would work, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, design the box would work. You could do that by uh, alone. There's a variation of design the box where you, um, uh, I hate to put the word branding on here, but sort of self-branding. We, we sort of become the people that we are in our environment, and it's hard to figure out, why can't I do this? How come every do this, they all respond this way? And that's one you can actually do in a vacuum in your own head, say, okay, if I was a product, how would I sell myself? And you get some revelations out of that. Um, Brian Eno created these cards um, sort of back in the 70s or 80s. What were they called again, Kenneth? They're basically creativity cards. So you pick out a card of the deck and it has an oblique strategies. Oh, really? You can buy the the deck of cards for like 20 bucks or you can just get the free iPhone app. Because I've got like, I've got other... (laughs) Okay, sorry, yeah. Um, what it is basically is it's, it's your, originally it's a deck of cards with kind of crazy, slightly designery things on. So you just, like you just tap it. Games. Yeah, and it says, I, mean, I, I just brought one up and says, faced with a choice, do both. So you, you think, well, what does that mean to me in context of the problem I'm trying to solve? You might get an idea, you might riff off it. So another one I've got here um, where is the edge? Where did the frame start? And again, you know, some of them are a bit kind of wanky and designery, but some of them might be really quite helpful to you. So um, definitely worth a look. Uh, oblique strategies. Uh, and it's Brian Eno. Yeah. Uh, I think I'll just... I think we'll just have to do one more. I'll, I'll come in. I just wanted to add that someone's posting those oblique strategies on Twitter now as oblique chirps, so you can get them in your Twitter stream. <laughs> Not everyone's on Twitter, so um, we have to we have to cater for each other. Um, 
that's like we're, we're, we're at the end of time. So we can keep talking about this in the poster session and stuff later on or at afternoon tea. Um, but otherwise, thank you all for coming. And thank you for, 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 for um, telling me and sharing with everybody your own games and for playing um, that game as well. To hear even more presentations from the 2009 IA Summit, point your browser to boxesnarrows.com and click on the podcast link. There you'll find access to the iTunes feed and more information about each presentation. Our heartfelt thanks to the organizers and sponsors of the 10th Annual IA Summit, the presenters, and of course to the global community. We look forward to feedback about future episodes that will be of greatest value to you, our listeners.